If you have your Bibles, you can go to Ephesians chapter 6. In verse 4, we're just going to kind of start ourselves in one verse here. Verse 4, it says this, fathers, so speaking to you and I, daddies, but, but as much as this is a message for fathers, I, I think that this is a message for each and every one of us because um, most fathers have a, a partner in parenting, mothers, and, and um, my goodness, we, we need you desperately. Uh, and, and then, you know what, some of you, you're not fathers yet, you're not mothers yet, you're young, but chances are you will be after you get married, let's just, let's just go order of events, um, you will be, and um, I, hopefully this sermon will be a head start for you on um, how we can parent, how we can father. This is what the Bible says, this is the Apostle Paul speaking right into the church of Ephesus, and he says this, fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger even when they hit their sister. That's not in there, but that's, that's Zach Dunkley commentary. That never happens in our home. Um, our kids are too busy praying. It's like Zephaniah. We got to go to bed, all right? Um, do not provoke your children. I'm not the only one with that problem. Pete, Sean, your kids have that same. They're praying in children's ministry right now. House of prayer. But, now listen to this. This right here, it's one short little line. It's half of a verse. I think that this could be the most important verse when it comes to parenting in the whole entire New Testament, maybe the Bible as a whole. And this is what it says. But, bring them up, speaking of children, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Half verse Half sentence, but I don't want us to miss the weight of what is being said here. When it says, bring them up, speaking of children, bring children up, I really think that the translation from the Greek, because this was originally written in the Greek, I feel as if the translation is a little bit light in a, in a certain degree. Because if you look up this phrase, it's actually one Greek word, and it literally means to bring up to maturity. So it's not simply saying, hey, just raise your kids. Hey, just, just bring them up. It's literally saying, bring them up. Raise your children up to maturity. A certain degree of maturity so that when they turn 18, they're ready, they're prepared. You can send them out confident. He says, bring them up to maturity. Now, this, this begs a little bit of a question. Maturity in what? But like, like is, is this a general maturity? Bring them up to just some general maturity? What is Paul, as he writes this, what does he mean by bring them up to maturity? Maturity in what? And, and I feel like in, in all my years of parenting, uh, I've quickly become an expert, obviously, because when you're 29 and you have four kids, four and under, you just make enough mistakes to learn at least some things. Some things. Um, but I, I really feel like one of the big mistakes we can make as parents is we never sit down and think, what is it that we are raising our children up to be? Like, you ever sat down with, and, and, and wrote like a one-sentence vision statement, target aim? Like, this is... Who we desire our kids to be when they turn 18 and it's time to send them out. 
If you're like me, it's easy to get so busy with the day-to-day, the parenting and the discipline that you don't even think about tomorrow. You're just thinking about, okay, how do, how do I get by today? But think about this for a second. If you could, and I hope you will, if you could put in one sentence the vision for what you want, what you desire your children to be when they're 18, what would that be? What would that be? Now, here's what's really helpful in this passage. The Apostle Paul tells us. He's going to let us know. He's like, hey, if, if this isn't the ultimate aim of your parenting, hint, hint, probably should be. He says, bring them up to maturity in the discipline and instruction of the, and if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, what's that word? Lord. Bring them up in in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think it's, it's, as, it's almost as important to point out what it doesn't say, especially in our culture. It does not say, bring them up in, in the discipline and instruction of ath- athletics or of academics. Bring them up in the instruction and discipline of finding the right career that they're, they're going to climb the corporate ladder. And doesn't, doesn't say that. Doesn't even say raise them up so that when they graduate and move on, they will st- still continue to have deep family values and come home on the holidays and maybe live next door. Doesn't, doesn't say that. But it says this. It says bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What is the ultimate aim of every parent? The Apostle Paul says that you would raise them up to find their identity in the Lord. That when they leave home at the age of 18, their identity is firmly in the Lord. Firmly in the gospel. But here's what's massively important to point out here. If you're looking at your Bibles, what's the very first word of chapter 4 here? Just, just scream it out. It's not Jesus, just in case you're going to try and give the answer to everything. What, what, what is the word? One, two, three, yell it out. That's interesting to me. Because if you backtrack, backtrack a couple verses prior... The Apostle Paul is talking about fathers and mothers. But all of a sudden, Paul's like, hey, daddies, um, we need to have a conversation here. Dads, I'm talking to you. Fathers, I'm talking to you. Fathers, bring your children up to maturity in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Why does Paul do this? Why does the Bible do this? Why does it single out dads to this degree? And, And here's the answer. It's actually quite simple. Dads, and, and I, I don't mean this to be rude. In fact, Dan said this a few weeks ago, so, so if you get mad at me, he said it first. Um, but the Bible said it before him, so even better. Dads, no one will play a more significant, more effective role in the spiritual maturity of your child than you. Doesn't mean that moms, grandmothers, grandfathers, aunts, uncles cannot or will not play any sort of significant role in, in the spiritual growth of their children. But what this does mean is, dads, the buck stops with you. Dads, it's kind of on you. 
Dads, you play by far a way more significant role in the spiritual growth of your children than anyone else. That's why, that's why Paul's going, hey, dads, we're going to have a conversation. So, so listen to this. This was a bit shocking for me because I thought, okay, yes, it's biblical, but is there anything we can point to in our own um, society, our own context that would kind of back this up? Not that we need our own society to back up scripture. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but but he, here's a little helpful hint on the reality of this matter. There was a couple of studies done. The first one is this. They found that when the child is the first one to become a believer in a family, about 2% of the time, the rest of the family will follow along and become believers. 2% chance. When the mom becomes the first believer in the family, jumps up. 17% of the time, the rest of the family will follow and become believers, including dad. When the dad is the first one in the family to become a believer, 93% of the time, kids and mom follow and profess Christ. Dads, you hold a lot of weight. A lot of weight. There was another study done in the year 2000, and they, and they found that when a dad and a mom regularly go to church Regularly go to church. That's, that's foreign sometimes to our Pacific Northwest. What does that mean? I go once a month. That's regular. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, when a dad and a mom regularly go to church together, um, there's a 33% probability. That, how unfortunate is that? There's a 33% probability kids will grow up and will attend church regularly themselves. If the mom attends regularly, dad doesn't. Dad just kind of comes every now and then. Mother's Day, Easter... Maybe Christmas Eve, when the dad attends regular, or when the dad doesn't attend regularly, but the mom does, three percent of the kids will grow up and attend church regularly. Three percent. When the dad goes to church regularly and the mom doesn't, now this one shocked me. Thirty-eight percent of the kids grew up. And attended church regularly. Dads, you hold a lot of weight in the lives of your kids and their growth in the gospel. A massive, massive weight that you hold. Now, if you're like me, it's one thing to hear this. It's one thing to go, oh, wow, that kind of scares me. Oh, wow, it's, it's kind of on me. It's one thing to hear that reality. It's a whole other thing to go, okay, then how do I do this, right? Hopefully you dads in here, the wheels are turning, okay, okay, it's on me, okay, maybe I should do something about it. What does that look like? How, how do I effectively raise my kids up in the gospel? And, and there are so many things we could point out. I just want to zero in on four ones that we see in Scripture, but there's so many more. Here's just an easy one. This is for free. Pray for your kids daily. Read the word of God with them daily. Those are for free. And by the way, side note, there's maybe some moms in here, spiritually single moms going, oh, awesome. My husband's out of the picture. So there's a 3% chance my kids are going to church. Encourage, encourage. Here's what I'd say. When you look at scripture, there is this 
unique kind of favor that God seems to have on mamas who get on their knees and beg and plead for their children when daddy's absent. And, and so I just, I just say, moms, that's maybe the most effective thing that you can do. Even if you have a great husband that is fathering well, may we be parents that live on our knees begging and pleading for our kids and their relationship with the Lord. But I want to point out four things here that dads, we can do faithfully to raise our kids up in the Lord. And at the end of the day, may we be reminded that God is sovereign in salvation. We can do everything right in raising our kids, but it's God who has to turn the heart of our child to them. It's God. But what are some faithful ways we can do? Josh and Amy helped us out because they picked out what I would say is is the most significant verse on parenting in the Old Testament, and and maybe it rivals that verse we just read. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, listen to what this says. This is God speaking. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command, the words he just spoke, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now listen to this. You, who's he talking to? Really, he's talking to dads and moms. You, dad, you, mom, you shall teach them diligently. I mean, we could preach a whole sermon on that word diligently. I mean, this is constant. Teach them diligently to your children. When? What we're going to read is they say, only teach your children about God on Sunday between 10 o'clock. But if you get there late, that's okay. 10.05 to 11.15. We can have fun here. It's all right. Um, It doesn't say that, does it? Listen to what it says. And you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You shall be, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Literally put it between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What's this saying? Saying, parents, every single moment of the day should be an opportunity For you to teach your children the significance, the greatness of loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And and, and what this is saying is that we ought to, as parents, fathers, we ought to teach and rehearse the beautiful message of the gospel to our kids daily, not just Sunday on the way home from church. Daily, we should be seeking opportunities to talk to our kids about Jesus. And here's here's just some softballs for you. Pray with them daily before they go to bed. Read the Bible with them daily before they go to bed. But don't just leave it to that. Find, Find constant moments in your life to talk about Jesus. When you're talking about money, start talking about Jesus. When you're talking about fun things, talk about Jesus. When you're talking about joy, talk about Jesus. When you're talking about, you know, kids ask really funny things about death and, you know, reproduction. I mean, all kinds of things. Talk about 
Jesus. Seek every moment to talk about Jesus. There'll be times my kids will come down early in the morning and, and sometimes I'll be working from home and I make sure to set aside my morning time. It's devotional time. And, and, and my kids will come down and, what are you doing, Dad? And, and they'll say, I'm reading my Bible. I'll say, I'm reading my Bible. And, and unbeknownst to me, uh, this is a few weeks ago, they're like, hey, can we wake up in the morning and, and read the Bible with you too? I'm like, I didn't even do anything. They'll come downstairs, and, and uh, sometimes they want to sit on my lap. Sometimes they're just like, can I get the iPad? Um, but they'll come down, and, and I'll just say, hey, can I pray for you? And, and I, I, in those moments, I don't, I don't pray with my kids. I, I love to just to pray over them. Parents, we need to pray over our kids. They need to hear how we pray for them. So I pray for my son. God makes Zephaniah good for nothing but preaching the gospel. That's it. It's all. We know he's going to be good at sports. We got Melissa, okay? In the jeans. God, I pray, I pray for Zoe. Pray for Hector. Pray for Xander. I pray for our kids. I pray that they would come to know you at a young age. Allow them to know how much you love them. I want my kids to hear that. Seek opportunities daily to talk about Jesus. I, I had one. I'll give you an, 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 one last example, maybe two. Um, my son found a dollar in my office. This was early mornings after I prayed over him, of course, you know. Um, and he finds this dollar, and, and I said, do you want to give that to God? Yeah. I said, okay, great. You know, in church, we, we can give it to God um, during the offering. Very excited about this. Well, um, uh, of course, I was very excited that my son wants to give a dollar. <laughs> uh, what is it about, like, um, pride before the fall, something like that? Um, so I'm feeling good about this. And so I thought, you know what? I, I want to make sure my son realizes this, is, this dollar is not just a piece of paper. It has value. It has monetary value. You can buy things with it. And so I said to him, I said, you want to know why it's so significant to give this to God? He said, why? Like, he knows what the word significant means in the first place. Why? I said, Zephaniah, because this dollar could buy toys, but you, 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 get, you can give it to God also. What I said to him, I promise you, was, Zephaniah, this dollar could be used to buy toys. What he heard me say was, Zephaniah, you can buy a toy right here, right now. We will go to the store this very moment. <laughs> And, oh, I can get a toy? I said, no, no, no. I thought, Zeph, I thought you wanted to give this to God. Well, I do, but I want a toy too. So I'm like, I got the perfect question. I'm not going to tell him. I'm going to lead him there with a question. So I said, okay, Zeph, who do you love more, toys or God? Now, I've learned something here. There are certain questions you don't ask a four-year-old friend. <laughs> Just don't. He didn't even have to think about it. He didn't even have to think about it. Toys. <laughs> Wrong answer, son. Go up to your room. I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. But I didn't say it was the wrong answer. I, and I tried to explain to him, you know, well, okay, Zeph and I, we wouldn't have anything if it wasn't, if it wasn't for God. I mean, everything that I have, Zeph and I, every, everything that we have, even the toys that you have, the house we live in, the cars, it, it's all from God. It's because of God. It, it is God's. We're just stewards of it. Like, he, like he's, this is registering, okay? 
And I'm talking with him and, and, and realizing we're not going anywhere because he's still stuck on toys and we're going to go buy one this very moment, namely a tractor of sorts. And so finally I'm like, okay, how about, how about we, you know, how about we do an allowance? You know, mom had been talking about doing some chores um, and, and maybe we can give you a dollar at the end of each week. And, and at this point, Melissa became, I mean, I sent in reinforcements. Melissa became part of the conversation. We can give you, you know, how about we give you a dollar and you can give um, part of it to God. And, and said, Melissa said, you know, how, how much do you want to give to God? And he said, half. We're like, all right, practice in generosity. Let's do it. But, but I mean, I share that to just say, I don't think we realize how many moments throughout the day we can turn the conversation about Jesus. I think the significant reason, not I think, I I am positive the reason why so many kids graduate and move on away from the Lord rather than continuing to pursue the Lord even though they grew up in a Christian home is because daddy and maybe mommy too did not talk about Jesus often enough. It was just a Sunday conversation rather than a daily conversation. Dads have daily conversations about Jesus. Every time our kids get disciplined, not every time, almost every time our kids get disciplined, unfortunately it's daily, we take the opportunity to rehearse the gospel with them. We want them to know that they sinned, but that also Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sin. That they are loved and that they are forgiven. We must do this daily, dads. The second one is this, and this one might seem a little out of nowhere, but I think it's a massive one. Back in Ephesians chapter 6, excuse me, chapter 5, this is just a few verses before that passage in chapter 6 we read. It says this, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, not speaking to dads, but kind of is, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Dad, you want to know how to raise your kids up in the gospel? Spend the rest of your life laying yourself down for your wife sacrificially. It's really, really hard for a child to hear a dad say, I love Jesus, yet not see him actively diligently loving his wife. It frankly doesn't make sense at any age. Dads, we need to spend ourselves sacrificially serving our wives. Not not because they deserve it. Let's, Let's not be fooling here. It doesn't say anything in this text about husbands, love your wives because you know what? They're so awesome. They're so great. They're so wonderful. It doesn't say that. Now, your, your wife might be just that. Because I know mine is. <laughs> but it's not saying that. It says, do it because of Christ. May we, may we lay our lives down for our wives. May we not fall into the trap of coming home from work and we're tired and we're spent and and the first thing we see is the couch, the next thing is the controller and then the five-part series on O.J. Simpson on ESPN that took like eight hours of my week. I'm preaching, right? 
Don't, don't fall into that trap, husbands. May we come home and may we have enough energy or if we don't, may we pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us to such a degree that we would have the energy to spend it on our wives. May the most significant, often question we ask our wives be, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? May that be ingrained in our children's head, not because they deserve it, but because we want our kids to see what Jesus has done in our lives. We love, we respect, we serve, we honor our wife. We do that because we love Jesus. And and by the way, side note, your daughters will not set the bar for the kind of boy they'll date, the kind of man they'll marry. You set the bar. It doesn't happen overnight. You set the bar on who your daughters will date. You set the bar on the kind of boyfriend, the kind of husband your sons will be. And listen, I want to love and serve and respect and treat my wife to such a loving degree that my daughter, she didn't date till she's married, right? Like, I, I want my daughter, I want Zoe, and maybe there's other daughters God will give us, I want my daughters to know that if it's the first date, second date, third date, fourth date, 10th, 20th date for that matter, if the boy leans in and tries to kiss her, she says, "Um, yeah, take me home now. I I want my sons to know that that he will not take out a girl until he sits down with her father. You might say, that's that's extreme. Like, dads in this place who, who now have daughters... Like, how badly do you want to make sure you know the boy that's going to take out your daughter? I want them to sit in my office, and by then, I will have a gun collection. Maybe, maybe not. (laughs) But, guys, this just, we set the bar. Your daughter, your son, they will not set the bar. We do. And husbands, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It is constant, daily, sacrificial service to our wife. Guys, Not because they deserve it, but because Christ does. Not out of duty, but out of delight in our Savior Jesus. Here's the third one, and it's very quick, and it's and it's very simple. Says in verse 4: Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't don't get them angry. And then there's a verse in Psalm 127 that, that reminds us that children are a gift. They're a reward. And, and, and here's what I want us to see here. Fathers, may we enjoy our children. And I get that a lot of this sermon has, has to do with us dads who are still raising our kiddos. And, and there's some of you who are like, oh, my kiddos are, are way out of here. It, listen, I think all of this is for us. We, we, we should daily have conversations with our 25-year-old son or our 32-year-old daughter. Talk to them about Jesus all the time. Enjoy your kids when they're 2, when they're 25. It doesn't matter. Enjoy your kids and let them enjoy you. Enjoy them. When's the last time you have laughed out loud with your kids? Not at them because, you know, we, we've done that, right? They say something funny, they do something funny, we start laughing, they look at us like, why you gotta be so mean? I mean, what, what, what are you doing? Laugh with them. I, 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 like, I literally learned this about three or four weeks ago 
after I've seen my wife for how many times she's laughed with our kids. I'm like, they're not that funny, okay? Just, but she'll laugh with them, and they're laughing back, and I've just been so diligent about you know, making sure that the discipline is taken serious and at the same time making sure the loving and the affection is there. I want to kiss them. I want to hold them. I want to hug them. I want to tell them how much I love them. But I kind of forgot this laughing with them thing. My wife is, is, is just the queen of this. And, and it's amazing how the bond stirs up when you enjoy your children and then let them enjoy you. It, if you're like me, I'd way rather watch my kids play than get up and play with them often. But may we enjoy them and may we let them enjoy us. Because listen, how badly are your kids going to want to seek you and hear from you when, when they don't even feel like you enjoy them? May we, may we enjoy them. They're a gift from God. And then here's this last one, and I saved it for last because I think it may be the most important one. In Philippians chapter 4, it's a very famous verse. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul writes this from prison, by the way. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And then if you keep reading, the, the next two or three verses are about when you're going through really, really hard times. Don't worry about it. you got God on your side. But what I want you to see here, friends, is this reminder, this calling that, that we need to see that walking and growing in the gospel, it's a joy. It's not a duty. May we reveal to our children that growing and walking in the gospel, it's a, it's a delight. It's not a duty. It's a delight. I do not want my kids to grow up thinking, I got to follow Jesus because, you know, my dad's a pastor. I, I got I to gotta follow Jesus because that, that's what Christians do. And I really want to go to heaven and I don't want to go to hell. So I, I really better do this. I want my kids to see that there is no greater treasure, there is no greater delight, there is no greater wonder than living for Jesus. I, I want to see my kids look at my life and realize I don't follow Jesus simply because the Bible tells me so. I follow Jesus because I am overwhelmingly in love with my Savior, Savior and overcome by what he did on the cross for me. Dads, may, may we reveal to our children it is a delight to serve Jesus. It's not a duty. May we show them the joy and the wonder of following Jesus. Guys, what would happen? Guys, just imagine for a second. You have young kids. Some of you have old kids. And, and here's the thing. Here's what I've, just, I've learned. You, you never stop becoming a father. They can grow up and, and, and you just, I just realized I'm going to love my kids and be their dad forever. Imagine what would happen if we diligently pursued these things. Diligently made room in our day to teach the gospel to our kids 
moment by moment, day by day. May we spend ourselves day in and day out serving our wives, showing our kids how the love of Jesus affects how we treat the person that we are married to. Imagine what it would look like if we truly enjoyed our kids and let them enjoy us. And and if we walked in such a way to reveal to our kids, there is no greater delight in this world than serving Jesus. It's not a duty, it's a delight. Let's pray. Father, the statistics are striking. We can go to church with our spouse, but apparently 33% of our kids will only end up attending church regularly. And the rest, not. Father, thank you that you are not a God of statistics. You are a God of love and a God of grace and a God of compassion. Father, parenting is slow but absolutely urgent work. May we not waste a day. May we not waste a moment. As fathers, may we spend our lives making much of your name, Jesus. Helping our kids see that there is no greater life than a life for you. Empower us with your Holy Spirit because we are weak and we want to do our own thing too many moments, too many days. May the Mission Church be a church of fathers who will stand up and give all of their lives to you. Pray these things in your name. Amen.